0: G'day folks, Josh Liston here from PunchingSideways.com. Thanks again for choosing this particular podcast to listen to. I know there's like 300 million thousand of them to listen to and you chose this one. So kudos to you, it's appreciated. You're in for a bit of a treat today because my guest is someone I've wanted on multiple podcasts in the past. I never really had the right platform or the right type of show to invite this gentleman on a show until now. It's local legend Steve Bowen from Bowens Entertainment, anyone from Wagga to Auburnonga to Wangaratta, through a lot of Australia and even the world, as you'll find out in this episode, knows Steve's name and the quality of the work that his company has been doing for a really long time. You'll find out in the audio we went on some early tangents in this podcast, which isn't really a shock, yeah? It's just kind of how we do it. And in doing so, we didn't cover off anywhere near as much of Steve's career as a whole, Start to finish, soup to nuts, as I would have hoped we would. That was my fault because I allowed those tangents to take us to some pretty interesting places and we kept tangenting, for the lack of a better term, but they're super interesting places that we went. It just gave me a completely different impression of just the way that Steve built himself into who he is. It's pretty amazing, actually. So even though we only covered off maybe 25% of Steve's career, mostly the early part of becoming a DJ and a live entertainer. It's a really frigging interesting 25%. So we've already organized to do a future record. We're going to lock that in at some point. So thanks to Steve for agreeing to do that. And one last thing, it'd be really great if you could share the show with a mate that is based in the area or maybe used to live here, a friend, and really the easiest way to do that for someone that maybe isn't podcast- knowledgeable is to go to punchingsideways.com find the episode with for instance steve bowen in the title and just press play on the website go to website press play couldn't be easier so i won't hold you up anymore now steve bowen from bowensentertainment.com.au give you a bit of a plug there steve in case people don't make it all the way through the episode and as always let's go bandits Steve, how are you going? <laughs> you know, I'm going great, thanks Josh. You're sounding fantastic. Oh, got it out, They're making me blush. <laughs> so um, this is an interview I've wanted to do on and off on different shows for a long time, so it's a real pleasure and we just realised that we've met a couple of times in the past. So It is a small place, Aubrey-Wodonga. It is, particularly yeah. if you're in any kind of entertainment-related field at any point. I was in bands. You've been doing MCing and DJing for a long time. so A long time, yeah. A long time. Yeah, we, yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll probably put that into a sub-perspective in the next few minutes. Yeah, we'll see if we can. So the only structured question I have before everything goes off the rails is, is there anything you're working on right now that has you particularly excited, whether it's something new or innovative or whether it's something personal that you're really into at the moment? Oh, gee! It can be anything.
1: Like it will go off the rails shortly. You understand that, so that's yeah. good. Uh, look at the moment. Uh, look on the on uh, the chairperson of the DJA, which is the DJ Alliance of Australasia, and we're working on the our conference at the moment, which is in August, and uh, having and called the conference uh, called Beat Mix. So that's going to be on the Gold Coast. So uh, working on that. At this stage, uh, that's something that we're pretty passionate about, about helping other other DJs and MCs, you know, grow, learn, network, uh, and just, you know, move them to a standard that uh, that allows them to uh, have the choice of whether they want to do this full-time or part-time or, you know, take their business to a new level.
0: Just before we get back to maybe what I thought you might have thrown out there. Okay, okay. You just brought up something straight away in there. It really is an industry and it's one of the few things I can think of where people can be in a creative field around creative people and mostly around people having fun. Hopefully the goal, I'm assuming, is for people to have fun. You can kind of incrementally be more and more or less and less involved as your career in that con, in, in DJing. Like if you're a part-time rock band, mm-hmm. you're a no-time rock band. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it, it just seems like one of the great things about the DJ world is that you just said people can work out, okay, well, I love doing it. Two nights a week, I'm not so keen on doing it. Five nights a week. Well, the difference
1: is the difference is though it, it it does have some similarities though. Like everyone at some stage throughout their life that's in entertainment wants to be some form of what you'd call a rock star, you know, and obviously publicly known and that sort of nature. And then when you get that, you realise that yeah, that's okay too. But you still need to continue to do each one of your events as good as you possibly can each time because mm-hmm. you're only yeah. as good as your you know, your last event. And the DJing aspect of it is. It is a bit more of a alone type industry where you don't have to have the drummer and the guitarist and the, you know, if you're in a band type thing. So, therefore, it, it uh, you can sort of self-perpetuate it or you can actually, you know, keep that rolling at the level you want to without having to converse with, you know, a group of people necessarily. But in saying that, it's also a very alone type industry where you don't always get that support and in my experience over the last and I'll say it now Josh (laughs) 35 years wow of uh, DJing this uh you know I'm now 53 started when I was 18 and I absolutely still love it there's no doubt about it the passion is still there really enjoying it I like to tell people that I'm semi-retired now which I'm not working any less or more but the idea of of the mind shift for me to call myself semi-retired is so that I have and the odd day off
0: yeah, every okay. now and then because and it, it, you it's, can forgive yourself for those days. Well, it's off. been a
1: struggle for me to do that. You know, I just have a work ethic that, um, and I probably consider myself lazy, and that's probably and no one would probably say that to me, but. So that's probably what keeps me drive to make sure that I don't become lazy and you know and and I'm doing some good in the world and uh, you know, making a difference
0: nice, so before we go back and we'll find out how this whole journey started, I guess Steve, I would have thought you maybe might have thrown out there I think it's hashtag three six five walks or something <laughs> I'm not sure if that i to be honest, I don't go to Facebook for anything remotely like people's videos, so I see you doing it, and I think it's cool, but I thought I knew our chat was coming up. I've only just found these. Maybe I just let him tell me on the night so I don't have to guess what it is or have the wrong idea about why you're doing it. So I'm putting that to you now. No, that's great. That's a great call.
1: At the moment, I'm just on a uh, just a – I suppose you'd call it a fitness slash
0: health uh, – And what was the progenitor of that? Where did that come from? Like I'm assuming this 365 walks thing is a – is that something you come up with or did you hear oh, not about at all. it somewhere? Or? Like, you
1: know, a good idea doesn't care who owns it and it's definitely not my idea. Uh, and I haven't had many unique ideas. <laughs> I've definitely adjusted some to suit me, though. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But for me, uh, I I connect with a few other colleagues in the DJ MC industry over the world. And it's funny that you say that now because it sounds so, so like it just rolls off your tongue. But I do... Like I, I, I'm in the, a Toastmasters club yep. and and it's an online Toastmasters club. And so every Wednesday uh, I go online to uh, DJs and MCs from America and Canada and we do the Toastmasters club online. And uh, it's a really cool scenario to connect with other DJs from other parts of the world and find out that you're all in the same boat, for want of a better word. And uh, it's really great to be able to, you know, stretch that, you know further and so a, a dj i met a number of years ago who came out to australia and i did one of his courses uh, his name is uh, bill herman and so i met him a number of years ago did one of his courses and uh, we just became friends ever since and i uh, went to chicago last year and was guest speaker at the marquee conference which is a, a dj and photo booth conference over in the states and uh, he came to support me and and be there as well too and He's a bigger man than me and he started on doing some a number of these walks and I'm doing it because I, part of that is he inspired me and I thought, well, that's good. But also I'm not a big man and I'm not super unhealthy, but at 53 I want to make sure that I can make 63, 73 and even 83 for that matter. So it's more so because I want to, not because I have to, because often when you have to, it's too late.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yep.
1: So I like to do things because I can. And I know that sounds real cliche. I just love to challenge myself and say, you know what, I can do this. And away we go. So I've done 21 days straight so far. I did I did miss a day and I'll admit that. So I've done uh, 20 days of walking. Uh, and, and look, it's only just a couple of k's uh, in the morning, but it's fresh in the morning, gets you started. And then I do a little bit of an exercise program. And I've just joined uh, the, um, the 30 day man challenge. It is, it's uh, done by a, uh, an ex-rugby league player who has uh, put together a little bit of a food diet and a little bit of exercise and uh, away you go. And so I, I signed up for that too. I thought, you know, that'll help keep me accountable. And, you know, I've,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm 18 days into that and 21 days into walking. So, yeah, it's great. So I do have one question about Toastmasters, and it's more so about how you framed it that it's online. Sure. And I, I know how serious Toastmasters is, and I thought about doing it myself. So mm-hmm. this is not to denigrate Toastmasters in the the slightest, but the first thing I thought when you said you were doing it online was, so when people listen to you speak, instead of telling you what they think, do they just give you the thumbs down on Skype? And do you see that
1: flashing on the screen? That is a great, great... Because, yes, Toastmasters is is a real formal uh, deal. You know, like, And I wasn't probably aware of that as much uh, until I jumped online and thought, gee, this is a bit structured for me. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, look, it's very structured and it's very different online and it's really good because you learn a few things because I'm doing a lot of my interviews now with my clients online. I have, I have clients from all around the, all around the country uh, and, and internationally now too. So, you know, heading off to a wedding in um, Boston, in Plymouth, uh, in uh, in July this year, so seeing that one, and I've been connected. So we use a program called Zoom.
0: Zoom, yeah, and yeah. it's a
1: really cool, much more stable than anything else that I've been. Particularly when with. you've got X number of people on there. It's a bit like watching the Brady Bunch screen for those old enough to remember that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and so how the how the Toastmasters work is everyone mutes their mic when you're the speaker, and you do your speech, and there are cards coloured cards that come up when you're at your time, you know, at your um, your green when you've made your time limit and then there's a yellow when uh, you've got to start to slowly wind it up and then there's a red that you've got now 30 seconds to finish it off. Okay. So you have a card system and uh, we clap online. Now, I know people can't see this, but we shake our hands like, like you do for, say, applause for someone who's deaf and so we do that to hand clap. And uh, we keep the mics muted so that, uh, you know, one person runs the meeting at a time and open the mic as as you're introduced.
0: I guess now that just before we do go back, what do you think, as someone who's been communicating, which we'll talk about in a second, most of your life in a, a way that you have to bring energy and articulation and also some entertainment value at all times, what do you think you've picked up from Toastmasters that you didn't realise was missing or was there something particularly good that people have highlighted about your communication?
1: without a doubt it shows how many ums and ahs and so so my crutch word is so which is probably a it's a little bit less of a serious one though i think mm, didn't realize that as much it's great to hear it and you get excellent feedback and initially i thought oh this is probably a little bit too structured for me the first six months i sort of went ah you know what and now that i've been doing it for 12 months now it's actually really good i've learned you know we know each of the participants a bit better now too and so it's a little bit more relaxed and a bit more jovial and uh, so it works uh, really well and i've learned about pausing speaking clearly about where you position yourself in the frame when you're doing an interview online. Yeah, right. About standing and projecting. You know, I I, I knew a number of these things, but just to really be audited on them or caught out on them and reported on in a positive environment is a really, really great uh, great learning opportunity for me. So I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's definitely
0: stepped me out of my comfort zone because I was a bit worried about it, thinking, you know, this is probably for me. Do you think that that's something that a lot of creative people worry about when it comes to anything really formal? Like I've been learning guitar for a long time and I've convinced myself for the first time I was completely self-taught and I developed a very unique, weird style. And I was really worried about getting formal lessons. I'm like, what if they steal what's magical about me? And great, great point you bring up because I wanted to make sure that even though I don't want to be a totally
1: polished speaker, I need to have that authenticity about it. And I think that's the energy that I bring whenever I do a show or an event or something of that nature. So yes, I want to pick up on a number of the ums and the ahs and the sos and maybe words I don't need but definitely don't want to be totally polished that I can't, you know, feel that I I, I can't, you know, stuff up a little bit here to make it, you know, to make it more authentic. So there is that aspect. But when I realise that, you know, it's okay to be me and uh, that works really well because I'm good at being me.
0: You are are certainly that. So that might be a good way for us to step back in time and talk about how you became you. So I'm assuming that most of the people listening to this because it is a very hyper-local podcast will know of you. And I've probably seen you do some kind of DJing or MCing at an event that they've been at. So I'm going to just preface this with the fact that people have an idea of who you are now. Well, maybe we should preface um, it that they don't have because. Yes, all. Yeah, equally. We'll talk about how that all got going. So, okay. When it first came to music, I guess, was that your first avenue into the industry where you were a passionate music person or were you a technology person or were oh, you someone Like, where did that initial spark come from? Not, I'll start straight up, not technology. Okay, I'm not a So you weren't into the turntables and the amplifiers? So for me, I was into dance. I loved the music and I was a dancer. Can you just, that to me probably means something different to someone 50 as it does to someone 20. When you say dance, Steve, what? (laughs) <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by – because I hear that and I think that stuff my sister used to listen to in the middle of the 90s because she was 10 years older than me. Like, Well,
1: no, even earlier. See, so that's w- earlier back than that, buddy. So yeah, 35 yeah. years yeah, yeah. is <laughs> even further back than that. <laughs> yeah. so, I, uh, so for me, I love dancing. Um, I had a friend who was a ballroom dancer and I used to go to some of the cabarets that he went to and used to pick up the steps pretty quick. Yeah. Obviously, I was a um, – you know, like I liked all different genres of music, but I was a fan of Michael Jackson as a younger as a younger lad. So I used to emulate his dancing. Uh, I was also a fan of Angus Young from ACDC. So I used to emulate what you might call his dancing. And then I moved into some break dancing. So that was a big era in the in the eighties. Uh, a bit of break dancing as well too. So I really loved to dance and, and I enjoyed the rhythm and enjoyed. Different styles of music, whether it be rock or pop or whatever the case may be, and uh, so it was. I was out at a nightclub when I was just 18, and uh, oh, there's local people here, so it was uh, it was paradise lost back then. Uh, might have been, I think it was called Club 21 back in those days. Okay, so I was out there just dancing, having a good time. Now I didn't drink a real lot because I'm, you know, a two pot screamer, and I was just out there dancing, having a good time, and it just sort of dawned on me. I looked up at the DJ and thought, "Wow, wouldn't it be great to be able to dance, play the music, and get paid for it all at the same time? What, a, <laughs> what an awesome idea!" Yeah. It was just a real, you know, it wasn't a lifetime goal. I, I want at one stage, like as a younger guy, I wanted to be an actor, yeah. uh, so do some form of acting. And really, I'm in the entertainment industry now, and, and I'm I'm performing, uh, and whether you call it acting or performing or entertaining, you know, either way, uh, you can you can take whatever you need to from that. So I really loved uh, dancing. I went up and asked the DJ. I said, look, it'd be okay to teach me how to DJ, you know. And the guy said, <laughs> to my surprise, he goes, yeah, sure, mate. No worries. Come back next week. <laughs> and uh, before the nightclub opens and, yeah, I, I shared a DJ. I went, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, I was a simple person. And uh, yeah, my parents always taught me that, you know, if you say you're going to do something, you follow through. So anyway, I, I came back to the nightclub next week before it opened. I was waiting out the front and then guy walks up with records, you know, vinyl, a yeah. uh, couple of crates and he's walking in and he said, are you are right, mate? I said, yeah, yeah, you told me to come back next week to learn how to DJ. <laughs> he said, mate, no one ever comes back. Yeah. And I said, oh. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. Um, well, maybe right, maybe I've done the wrong thing. Uh, and he said, oh, well, you better come in. Okay. So he came in, showed me a little bit, and uh, he said, uh, all right, you better you know, come back next week before it starts. Hmm. Okay. Well, that was easy. No worries. All right. Yeah. So sure enough, next week there I was. He walks in and he goes, you're here again. And I said, you told me to come back. Yeah. No yeah. one ever comes back yeah. for week two. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I didn't know any better. I yeah. came back. Anyway, and uh, so, you know, he showed me a bit more and it, it wasn't, it was pretty fortunate at the time and, you, cre- you know, I believe you create your own, uh yeah, your own fortune. But without a doubt, uh, he had only just got that job at the nightclub not long ago and he had a mobile DJ business and, um so he couldn't sort of do all the jobs on the Sundays because he got this new job at the at the nightclub, and anyway he said, "Look, you won't look. I'll, I'll send you out with one of my my uh, my crew. Uh, and you won't, you know, you won't do anything on your own for at least six to twelve months, and I won't probably pay you for six to twelve months." I went, like, oh, "Okay, yeah, sure, no worries." Anyway, within I think it was three weeks, and I was out doing it on my own and and uh, and getting paid. Awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of adapted it to it pretty quick. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. That was that was the start of my DJing career. I worked for him for a little bit. We, you know, as a mobile jock, and did parties and and birthdays and so forth. And then that guy sort of um, scooted off uh, somewhere. And then I I got a job at uh, with uh, Gary Fielder at the time, and Gary Fielder was a was a uh, you know had a big uh, big uh, name in the area and did a lot of. Uh, I work around the region on a mobile situation, and then I left Gary, and I was sort of going to fall away. And a couple of mates of mine said, "Look, the Edamoka Pub's looking for someone to manage their their shows out there. They had a little room at the back where they hide out, and I, so I applied for that. Got that job, and I worked at the Edamoka Pub, managing the you know the, the the nights and DJing their their nights at their at their event there. And then a job came up at the Lavi Sports Club." And this is where Gary Fielder was working. He was leaving, and and uh, and uh, so I applied for that, and that was probably my really big break. Then as I got the job at, as the resident DJ at the Lavington Sports Club. And for those who don't know that, and who are a bit younger, the Lavi Sports Club was probably the place um, in yeah, know okay. without a doubt. You know, people would talk about the Ritz, uh, where the Bended Elbow is now, and that was a that was um, like a popular place, but probably not for as many. But the Lavi was you so real working class type situation where, you know, you could fit a 1,000 people in there and you would uh, buy your ticket. You'd have to line up to buy your tickets straight after work. Like, you'd go there as quickly as you could. You'd buy your ticket straight after work so you could go there later on at 8 o'clock when it opened up. It finished at 1 o'clock. Like, I used to go there before I was a DJ there. Uh, And when you left at quarter to 1, you could still sell your $4 ticket for $4 at quarter to 1 with 15 minutes to go because people would be waiting at the front to buy it to
0: get in. What time did it close? At 1. So that... 15 minutes. They, they paid for $4 to get in for 15 minutes? Yeah. Okay. You can so still you... sell your ticket for
1: the same price you bought it for when you left. There were people out there for the last half hour still waiting to get tickets
0: because they didn't get them early enough. That's incredible. I've never heard that story. Yeah. I didn't even know that place had that kind of history.
1: It uh, it was a big place. Uh, and I used to work I worked there Fridays, Sundays and Wednesdays. And so my so I had, uh, like, I was the resident DJ for, for three nights a week. Yeah, so... So there you have it. And look, and I had a regular job, for those who don't know. I was a fitter and turner by trade. I worked at Borg Warner, BTR, DSI, whatever they call it now. Yeah. And uh, I was a, a apprentice fitter and turner. And whilst I was out there, I used to practice my break dancing whilst I was, you know. Having lunch. Yeah, walking walking down the, instead of walking forwards, you know, down the the, the laneways, I'd probably, you know, I'd moonwalk down there or I'd, <laughs> you know, try and do the, uh, the you know, the, a bit of the uh, Egyptian yeah yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> a bit of the worm and all that <laughs> yeah, sort of stuff right. so it was a good place to uh to practice during the day and uh you know and I kept DJing on weekends after that and uh you know I, I had that job for a while and but yeah but definitely DJing started to sort of take over a bit
0: obviously that sounds like not the DSI part as most people found out in the end probably not the most secure of places with it opening and closing all the time through it's run but when did you think I maybe could do this for myself because you obviously had 3 nights a week which is pretty secure at the time.
1: Yeah, look it was and uh, at the time I was earning more money from the 3 nights a week than I was from my you know from a daytime job and uh I did uh, dabble a bit after I finished fitting and turning I did move into life insurance uh, agent. Yeah, right.
0: Uh, I then that from there doesn't moved. really, I don't know if that, that suits, suits you, mate.
1: Well, I, you know, I did all right at it. Uh, I enjoyed uh, helping people and uh, I wasn't scared to chat. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I actually then did that for 18 months and became uh, Westpac's financial consultant. I became the youngest financial consultant in New South Wales in, yeah, right. at Westpac for 18 months as well too. So, but, but, but going backwards, when I got the job at the lavvy, people would come up all the time and I was first the first resident DJ there and that was with vinyl and... That and uh, people would come up and say, "Oh, can you do my party on the weekend?" And I was sort of passing work on to, "No, I can't do it. Try them." No, I can't do it. Try them. Until one day, you know, uh, one of my mates said to me, "He said, 'Why don't you know? Why don't you just get some gear and I'll do them for you?'" "So really? Yeah." So oh, So I got some gear together and uh, taught him what I knew and uh, started uh, a little mobile, you know, a little, a little. Uh, I wouldn't call it a franchise, but it definitely started my business of, of yeah. Bowen's Entertainment, and then that worked out all right. And because I couldn't do them, I had the you know the contract at the Lavi Sports Club. Um, you know things went all right with that, so I put some more gear and you know put someone else on. Another mate said, "Oh, I'll do that too." Yeah, cool, no worries. So really, um, even though I was you know at Westpac as their financial consultant, I probably had three guys working for me at that time. Yeah, okay, and we were doing mobile. And, you know, we're doing
0: mobile jobs. And, and the and the nights that I wasn't working, um, you know, I'd I'll, I'll do some mobile jobs as well too. So, Do you put it down to that time at the Lavie as you called it? I hadn't heard it called that before, the lavvy. Haven't you? Oh, no. Sporties, it was called Sporties. Oh, I Sporties. changed its name to
1: Sporties Nightclub quite a few years later. But definitely, yeah, definitely was called the lavvy. The lavvy. Like there, are, there
0: are a number of relationships now that I see around that I know started at the lavvy. Wow, that's pretty yeah. awesome. What ended up becoming Steve Bowen, do you think, was that – Seated at that point, or did that when when you started working for yourself? Do you think that's
1: what? Oh, look, definitely that was that, that was a start, you know. It, it, it gave me a bit of notoriety, and it wasn't from, you know, obviously it was more of a public profile. And yeah. look, and there's good if you do well at a public profile, you know, you, you get the praise, but if you don't do well with the public profile <laughs> job, yeah. people are very quick to tell you what you did wrong, yeah. But, <laughs> um. Uh, After that, I I did that for quite a while and there was a number of bands that used to play as well too and it ended up evolving... They dropped the Wednesdays, but it used to be Friday, Saturday, and they dropped a the Sunday after, Yeah, you know, like a number of years. I was there for well over 10 years. Okay, wow. But uh, we were doing Friday and Saturday pretty much most nights. Um, and, they're, and look, it and had peaks and troughs like every place. Probably in those 10 years, it was the place to be for probably, you know, it had its peak three times, a real big peak, and then it had, a, you know, a couple of lulls uh, in that in that period of time too where it wasn't the place to be and you had to work hard to, you know... Rebuild it. Yeah. yeah. But I... I had uh, a couple of guys who were working for me at that time there too. I got asked to work on radio and because I had a bit of a profile there and because some of the guys who would play in a in a band and they were called London Music or Ring London was the band name and then they became London Music Group, they did what's called a Friday live show on, uh, on B104.9 and so it was a bit of a – they did comedy and they wrote songs and jingles and things of this that nature. This is a
0: local band? Local band, yep. Had a local – Friday yes. comedy show on the radio. Yes. Okay, that just sounds extraordinary to me because that would never happen now. It was absolutely a definite uh, ahead of its time and
1: yeah. these guys were ahead of their time and they, you know, did some crazy stuff uh, in the <laughs> morning, you know, crazy stuff. This was in the morning? Yeah, this was Friday morning. This wow. Was, this was live Friday morning. There was like, a commercial I, think, radio. I think it might have been <laughs> Ty Frost. Ty Frost was the uh, announcer who's now on, on uh, one of the uh,
0: biggest stations. He's a... That guy's a, like, guru panel guy, isn't he? From there you
1: go. Well, well Well, Ty Frost was, uh, like, a big voice, and and uh, he was, I think, the breakfast announcer at the time. Uh, might have even been Craig Collette as well, too. But anyway, back those days, and these guys um, got me on as, as a guest on a couple of occasions, uh, and, like, they were... Look, they got... I'm pretty sure they got... Uh, Taken off air because it was a little bit too risque. Oh, I thought that for radio so. at the time, but did I you get you like, to stay on though? Well, that's what happens. They left, and then the radio station said, "Oh, would you like to do some radio?" And I never, and I never thought about radio as
0: my. Yeah, could you just put it into perspective? What time are we talking? Like, what years are we talking here? Uh, we're talking late eighties. Yeah. Okay. So. It was really the start of FN being a very, the dominant yeah. platform. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Late 80s, early, maybe early 90s, yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, no, it would have been 80s. And, uh, you know, because I used to play as the DJ and these guys were the band, you know, on, on occasions. And so then, you know, we got to know each other and uh, I went to school with one of them and uh, just, uh, you know, it just, just connected really well. It's a bit like, you know, they were a bit like Hamish and Andy except... Probably a more risque game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: sounds like it, because that's about the safest radio. Well, they went, was,
1: yeah. they, <laughs> these guys, you know, they went up, they went uh, bigger and better, they went to uh, the Gold Coast and Queensland and uh, they started uh, writing jingles, you know, for, for, for all radio stations right around Australia. And uh, even today still uh, was a Bray, who was part of the London Music Group, is still in that. Uh, now he, he still performs and does podcasts and, and uh, you know, fronts different shows and does a lot of marketing things and his other partner who's now uh, Simon Mills he's in the States uh, you know doing great guns over there
0: he's over in New York and just you know just braining them. Yeah right do you think that were you pulling a different crowd to the radio or did that end up boosting your profile off of radio in terms of your DJ business? Well, I think, you know, I had a little profile from DJing already with
1: the Lavi and so forth, and also going on to with the, with the, the, the Ring London boys as a guest. You know, we, we did a nude show one morning where we, you know, obviously, and, you know, I'm a real literal person. So, you know, like like I did when I first started DJing, you know, the guy said to come back next week. They said, oh, we're doing a nude show, Steve. So, right, yeah. Okay. So, sure enough, you know, they had all, um, uh, they, uh, had, they did lots of stunts, you know, and they had, newspaper all on the outside of the of the radio station where they did it live from and it was just in Wodonga, and uh, they did it live from there they did it sort of you know beamed it in and then they had paper on the inside as well because we knew they knew people would come up and try and pull the paper off the front yeah but sure <laughs> enough you know I went there nude and uh, you know I, I because that's what you do <laughs> yeah. and I thought this was all pretty funny and then when I turned it up you know they weren't totally nude and they went what are you doing Bo and I well <laughs> you said it was a nude joke <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you know, sounded thought,
0: more like I,
1: Hamish and Andy well, every moment. Well, I <laughs> thought it would be, um, I thought it would be okay on radio to go in there like that. But anyway, apparently, all well, the the paper came down, uh, both outside and bits of the inside as well too. So anyway, that was yeah, okay. That's how that started. Uh, and so yeah, the profile aspect of it was was definitely built even more so with radio because it was, uh, you know, they, they you know, like everyone else had one name and my name was Steve Bowen. Like, you know, yep. people, even young kids would say, oh, hi, Steve Bowen, you know, instead of, you know, you'd have Bilko or you'd have Sally or you have... Not a nickname and not a first you, you, name. You'd, you'd have, you know, yeah. you know, Matt and Lou or, you know... Or, people like that, you know, and I worked with uh, Lou uh, way back then too, but it was, you know, back then it was, uh, you know, Bill uh, Louisa and Bill Cale and Steve Bowen, you know. It was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so anyway, so, you know, and I just did a bit of the daggy stuff and went out in the streets and connected with people. So I I sort of became the face of the radio station back then uh, and, uh, you know, and, and did that as well as started, you know, running my own business and working at nights as well too. So back then I probably had, you know, ten or a dozen guys working for me. Uh, And, uh, you know, and then I was working five mornings a week at the radio. Like Friday consisted of getting up at four, getting to the radio station by five, doing a bit of prep, getting on air at six. Working, going out in the streets, you know, cooking a barbecue, giving away milks, doing all that sorts of things. Finishing radio at nine, getting back to my office at nine thirty, working all day during the day, and either setting up functions or coordinating or taking phone calls and so forth. Then going out DJing at the LAVY uh, right through until one or two in the morning. So my my, you know, I did I did twenty hour
0: days on a Friday, uh, nearly every every week. Righto. So what was it like getting up at four o'clock, knowing that? more than likely you're not going to see your bed until four o'clock the very next day. I didn't worry about it. Yeah. You know, I was just... I, was I mean, just I can't think of a as loved it, it. it. must have been a pretty... You basically get to do one of the great things in life, which is be part of a good radio show. I'm not sure. That's got to be energising regardless what time of the day. Well, then, see,
1: and, and for me, the radio was my second job.
0: It was always DJing was first, and that
1: was... Because really like, everyone always, like, like you know, crawled over everyone to get to radio, and then they asked me, and I went, oh, never thought about that. Okay, look, we'll give it a try. <laughs> You know, I'll give it a try, I'll give it two weeks and if you think I'm okay, we'll, we'll renegotiate the rate that you were going to talk to me you about. You if thinking about it. Yeah. And <laughs> if, you, if you don't, you know, we won't, you know. So, like, because at the time they asked me and I said, oh, cool, I was really flattered. So I said, okay, great. They said, oh, how much do you want? And I said, oh, well, you know, I, 40 bucks an hour I charged to Sprook. So I said, oh, you know, how about 40 bucks an hour? And they said, oh, we're paying 10. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, right, yeah. I said, oh, okay. Oh. And I was still a bit flattered still, and I went, oh, cool. Well, I'd never really done this before, so we'll give that a try. Um, I said, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll take your 10 for two weeks, and if uh, if you're happy, we'll renegotiate. If not, we'll just shake hands and walk away. So did two weeks of it. Obviously, things went well. Renegotiated, got 30 bucks an hour
0: at the time. Nice.
1: And uh, you know, I think that was far more than any of the other announcers, but uh, <laughs> um, we worked, had a bit of a profile, and then, then started to build it from there.
0: So I guess we are probably approaching our time, Steve. That went really quick. Well. So we're up to 35 minutes almost. Yeah,
1: we're up to like you know, year five. There's yeah, we might, more to go. We, we
0: might have to <laughs> We might have to get you back in to talk about maybe the more recent stuff you've done. Sure. So I guess throughout your career from that point where we're talking about leaving radio and I'm assuming you dived yep. really hard back into the DJ Absolutely. world after that. Just on the off chance we don't get a chance at some point to talk in the future, Do you, is there any particular moment or thing that sticks out to you from when leaving radio and going hard, dedicated to the world of DJing and presenting and MC, that really sticks out as a pivotal moment for you or the business? Or for me,
1: it was I knew that DJing, like DJing was, was great, it was fun, it was, and it was, it, it was. It was satisfying to a degree, but it wasn't enough. And that's where, like, the emceeing aspect of it and learning to to be expressive and it's okay to be yourself and not sort of be tied up there and not use a cool, great, yeah, good evening voices is my radio. You know, and just yeah. be me, you know. And and that was probably the real turning point for me is to do a lot of self and in-depth looks inside myself, and I did a lot of courses and a lot of, you know, self-help things, and, you know, like the Anthony Robbins type things and all those type of events. You know, I studied under Robert Kiyosaki, and I had two real great mentors, and I had Errol and Noah Davis, who are 20 years my senior, and they were absolutely sensational. They, were, they had nothing to do with entertainment, and that got me into pretty much public speaking. Uh, and into presenting and motivational stuff. And, uh, you know, and it sort of really blossomed from there. And I continue to do that today, but we started a, a course called the Jigsaw Program. And uh, the Jigsaw Program was to mentor youth and to help them uh, with their self-confidence, with their self-esteem,
0: and uh, to help them, you know, live life to, to the fullest. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So I'll try and dig up as much information on what you just brought up there, Steve, and link people to that. Sure. And hopefully, obviously, as I mentioned, we get to maybe expand on the later part of the career, maybe at some point in the future. One thing I must say about just the business that you made was that you were particularly good at picking talent. Because one thing I know that you obviously filtered people for was there's a core set of music people play. You need people that can present that happily without getting begrudged by the style. But you also hired people that had taste, and because I, there's no one else. I, like some of the bands that I used to ask for were, I don't know talk, we spoke about our, our mutual friend Travis. Yeah, I would ask for some obscure Rage Against the Machine song mm-hmm. when I was helping him DJ up in my hometown one night, just helping him lug gear, and he'd like, "That won't work, but what will work is this song, which is a bridge." Did you have an or I, the like, transition? Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Like we can't go there, but we can go to here, which is that won't alienate this crowd we have. And
1: being honest about it too, rather than go, yeah, mate, yeah, I'll
0: play that later, I'll play that later.
1: And and doing that, and people think that you're going to play it, then you, you get them offside and you never have any intent of playing it. So, you know, I really worked really hard with my team. I wanted a team of people who who, who understood other people, who had great personalities, and even though they came initially thinking that music was it... You found out that, you know, really music isn't my business. My business is people. And when we found that out, when we worked that out and I and I delivered that with to the team, that, that really, you know, grew. I, I, I grew the business to having 20 DJs at one time and thinking that I was going to take over the world, which I worked myself into the ground and that wasn't the way to go. But, you know, you started to lose a little bit of quality and started to lose a little bit of, uh, you know, a bit of uh, the touch of what was at that time, you know, a Bowen's Entertainment type of type of event. So, you know, I've scaled it right back now. I've only got two guys that work for me now and really happy with that. Uh, I've scaled back because... Uh, it was, I was, I thought of franchising it and taking it all around, but the franchising of personality was really tough. And because I didn't mind, I used to like getting people who didn't know anything about DJing, who had a great personality and I could teach them DJing, but it's very difficult to teach personality. Yeah. So I did personality tests with everyone who came and said, hi, Steve, I want to get a job. Because a lot of people don't realise that back then, you, I hired people who had music collections. Because, you know, if you had a music collection, it was that was awesome back then because you had to buy every single thing you had, and even though you're still supposed to buy everything you have, but there's still a lot of people out there that now, you know, they they spend uh, you know a couple of bucks a month and they've got every song available nearly. You know, now you still can't do that as a commercial DJ and have a Spotify account and play that commercially, but everyone in the general public thinks that that's what you do. So yeah. it was yeah, you, know, you you often you know, I employed a lot of people initially who just had great music clutches so like- but they weren't necessarily great entertainment. It's like
0: getting the electrician with the best set of tools. Yeah, they come with a certain a certain set of equipment.
1: Yeah, and that you need. But then this also works on personality. Um, yeah. And you can be a, a you could be a great uh, mixer. You can be you know a, a great uh, stylist in what you do. But if you can't portray that and connect with your audience, then you know doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to struggle to get work.
0: Yeah right. Okay, we might leave it with that. So that's a good way for any aspiring DJs out there. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. It's been a real pleasure, and obviously, yeah, it's been one that I've had on the docket in my <laughs> Gmail folder for a fair while, trying to get you on. So. No nah, thanks, Josh. Absolutely pleasure. Been a pleasure. I know we didn't cover much, There's plenty more to cover. I think but... we probably went on an early rabbit hole, which is how this show kind of works. Yeah. Okay. Po- <laughs> yeah, it's not a structured set of questions. It's kind of like a we live within a little bubble, and we kind of push on the edges a bit. So. And even though I
1: don't seem like I'm structured. I do like structure, but I love to deviate from it when yeah,
0: possible. Yeah, that's kind of how I like to work. So yeah. I've had a, a few of the nicest compliments I've had for this show have been basically that it'll all flow like a river, but the banks are yeah. there, but they're not.
1: Yeah, if you overflow, that's it. I mean, yeah, that's how a waterfall it spills starts. out a
0: little bit, then, yeah.
1: One drip at a time. A waterfall starts one drip at a time. And I used to think I had to do something really big in this world to make a difference, I have to make a difference to one person every time I speak to them. So that's what my aim is. That's what I do
0: now. And I appreciate your time. Ah, You too. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Thank you, everyone. Punchingsirebase.com. And what's the website for if they're local and they want to DJ? Uh, Bowensentertainment.com.au. Excellent. Righto. Thank you, everybody, and talk to you soon.